I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to The Hit Show. My name is Danny Russell. I am the managing editor of DRaysPay.com, and we are continuing our journey through our most beloved Rays player and franchise history bracket as we seed the players appropriately. I am joined by Darby Robinson. Hello. And Brett Phillips. Hey, guys. Okay, so we left off. Uh, discussing the idea of doing a bracket, discussing the idea that we might not have baseball until July 4th of 2020, and uh, really uh, uh, wallowing in the muck of Devil Race history. Now we get to turn a corner into the glory days, the Joe Madden honorary glory days, 2008 to 2013. Uh, Joe Madden was here before that, but this is when his team was good. And uh, going through the seasons that him and Friedman uh, departed uh, after 2013. So, number one, there is no better answer and potentially the the player who will win this whole stinking bracket, Evan Longoria. Next. Yes. Hold on now. I think if you really want to break it down, Jeremy Hellickson has a good chance at No, obvious obviously it's it's, it's Mr. Ray. Uh I think um yeah, he's he's the number one. He's going to be the tough person to beat in the whole dang tournament. Number one with a bullet. Oh, show. Okay, so maybe let's zoom out a little bit. When we think about the glory days, let's think about the four best players to grace a Tampa Bay jersey during that time. Because I think there's an argument for four players who could jockey amongst themselves for uh, who was um, a more beloved player from that era, from these glory days, and also uh, a who was the best is subjective. So we've got Longo. And keeping this in mind for everybody yep. listening, we in the previous episode, we already have Carl Crawford as the number one in the Devil Rays bracket. So he is not eligible for this because – that would complicate things. I think you could Thank potentially you. have him be number two to Longoria or even number one in some people's hearts and minds. But he is already number one in the other bracket. So this is the of the four in the glory days that are still left in this bracket. Yes. Thank you. That is a brilliant point. So uh, next to Longoria, I have three clear names. Ben Zobrist, who changed baseball entirely by introducing – I feel like utility man into a, a, a crucial role of your team, not just an ancillary piece of your team. Mm-hmm. James Shields, the greatest pitcher in race history. Ooh. <laughs> like we'll, we'll, we'll dive into it. that. I said, <laughs> I said it. And then the guy who actually got a Cy Young during this era, David Price. So how are we going to see? We, we've, we've established Longo's number one. 
How are we going to see Ben Zobrist, James Shields, and David Price? Who would you put number two? Well, uh, Danny, I got to say, you know, last episode, I kind of put you through the ringer for putting Wade Boggs at number one. I think that you choosing to put Ben Zobrist at number two is maybe the best decision you've ever made, maybe in your Ooh. life. I don't know. I don't know a lot about that. Putting, putting <laughs> Ben Zobrist at number two is so, in my opinion, the most obviously correct move. Ben Zobrist is one of the greatest players in race history. And it's mm -hmm. not just because I personally met him one time when I interviewed him for like the then Tampa Bay Times, or the, sorry, the then St. Petersburg Times. And he was like the nicest man I've ever met. He was a great guy. Uh, but he also is what, like you said, the person who basically pop popularized in contemporary modern baseball the use of the utility man and his actual, and it, the fact that the utility man, Ben Zobrist wasn't just a good utility man. Ben Zobrist was a very good, if not great, baseball player who just so happened to, to be able to play any position, excluding pitcher and catcher that you put him on. And what on that note, tend, I, oh, just as a defender, I, I think we need to talk about the quality of athlete and performer that Ben Zobrist was. Yes, he was at second base for a, a, a good portion, the majority of his Tampa Bay career. But if you were to just fill, if you go to Fangraphs and you look at the fielding leaderboard for defensive run save, DRS, which is, uh, I feel like the leading statistic in measuring defense in baseball. Ben Zobrist is on there twice. Once at second base and once in right field. In the top five in all of Tampa Bay's history. <laughs> yep. It is astounding the quality of defender that he was. He's fantastic. And, I mean, I, I, I can gush over Ben Zobrist all day. I do actually have a Ben Zobrist jersey. We were talking about whose jerseys and jerseys you have in the last episode. He's one that I've had the factor. longest. It truly is. Uh, and again, what, what folks tend to forget is that Ben Zerbrist was for a very, for a, I don't want to say a brief period of time, but for one year in 2009, it's, usually, it's kind of the forgotten year in this glory days uh, era. It was the year right after they went to the World Series in 2008, and there was kind of a little bit of a season-long hangover or something. <laughs> where uh, <laughs> the Rays, uh, <laughs> Sophomore slump, exactly. They were the second year they were ever a baseball team. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. um yeah they 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 finished just a few games above 500 and, and and kind of fell out of it in like august september time but ben zobris that year was one of the best if not the best players in baseball and do oh, you yeah. think Forget i don't have statistics to back it up yeah do i have statistics to back it up of course i have statistics to back it up <laughs> ben zobris if we're going by fan graphs ben zobris war uh, his war wins above replacement for those of you who don't know, although if you're listening to this podcast, you definitely know what war is. Ben Zobris led baseball with an war of 8.7. That's higher than Joe Maurer, who was in his heyday. That's higher than Albert Pujols, who was still like, not just like a lifeless husk of a, of a first baseman or a DH <laughs> stumbling around with the angels right now. That's, Higher than, you guessed it, Evan Longoria of the Tampa Bay Rays, who had a war that year of 7.2. God, the fact that the Rays didn't make the playoffs in 2009 early is a bummer. Because Crawford was also 12th that year as well. They had three oh, in the top 15. 
Yeah. Ben Zerbers Zer- in 2009 had one of the greatest, if not the greatest, offensive seasons in Tampa Bay Rays history. And I know we're not just talking about like who was the best Devil Rays, who was the best race player in 2009 here, but the fact that Zobrist had one of the highest peaks in race history and had a pretty good longevity for a while and mm-hmm. was this sort of poster child for this new weird race team at the time who was young and doing things a little bit differently and really, really making a lot of hay out of the utility player, which at that time, again, was like this very new thing. Not very new thing, but something that was being popularized to an extent that the Rays were doing it. The fact that Ben Zobrist is number two is a fantastic choice. I would even, I'm not saying it, but if you put him in number one, I, would, I wouldn't be opposed. That said, I'm not going to make any arguments for them. That's, that's probably a little bit of my little fanboyism going hard in the, in the paint right there. Uh, but Ben Zobrist at number two is a, is a great choice. And Darby, if you disagree, you can physically fight me. Brett, I will, I will <laughs> say... In defense of Longo as number one, when Ben Zobris was traded, you did not email me and tell me you were considering. <laughs> Spilling the tea. That that is that's that's you you're bringing the DMs public. Man. Come on. No, and, and with that we'll go to an ad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so I will not absolutely disagree. I actually will second everything that Brett just said about Zobris. One of the things with, with, with Ben Zobris that I think makes him, I think the clear cut number two in this bracket, and I think, you know, probably one of the people that, that could absolutely win this tournament, as much as Longoria is like maybe the face of the franchise, Ben Zobris almost exemplifies what Rays baseball is. Mm-hmm. And in a way, when that 2009 season with Zobris, that was almost like Moneyball 2.0 in terms of public discourse, understanding statistics and it became that thing like if you believe ben zobris was an mvp candidate and not not like potentially he actually should have been the mvp mm-hmm. you are in this group and then if you thought like ben, who the heck is ben zobris that that he doesn't even play a real position he's all over the place that that guy's not even like he's who is that guy that was the diff, like that was the oh you kind of get it or you don't get it type of thing that was that next level where, you know, you had that first wave with the early Oakland A's uh, and you're like Scott Hatterbergs and you're, and you're kind of that, that new way of doing baseball. But Ben Zobers was that second wave of, yeah, no, he is one of legitimately the best players in baseball. Not this is one of the best utility players. This is one of the best players in the sport. And for one year, he was the best player by wins above replacement. He also did sort of change the whole, I mean, after Ben Zobrist, how many people have been compared to Ben Zobrist? Sure. Anybody who has stood at multiple positions <laughs> with a glove, whether they can play him or not, they just stand him in a position. It's like, ooh, it's Ben, oh, it's the, it's ben Zobrist. Is Zach Cozart yep. the new Ben Zobrist? <laughs> No, it's, it's one of those He's really not. things where it's you can stand at multiple positions, great. Yeah. But like Danny actually mentioned, Ben Zobris defensively was very, very gifted. He was a great defensive second baseman. He was a pretty darn good outfielder. He could play shortstop at a passable level. That was not his best position, but he wasn't atrocious. Um, and the fact that you could play pretty much anywhere on the field and be passable or better that made him 
and plus with the bat, you that made that position something unique. That did elevate the the utility position. And the Ben Zobris role in in baseball did sort of change where you may not you may be a player coming up who's sort of a Swiss Army knife. You can be really good at a lot of different things, and suddenly you might get paid now. Whereas before, if you couldn't be the, you know, you are being penciled into the lineup in the three hole at second base or shortstop, you weren't getting paid. Suddenly Ben Zobrist opened this whole other wave. So uh, Ben Zobrist, one of my favorite Rays of all time, and I think just exemplifies Rays baseball this year. To his credit, Ben Zobrist was a 2009 All-Star. And All-Star nominations in terms of bracket and ranking and national attention, they do matter. Uh, you know, it's how and he, got, he got some MVP votes, not like top. Yeah, he, he was, was he was you know. number eight in the in the yeah. voting that season, which, which is but amazing. It should have been number a, one, sure. Yeah, yeah. easily well, should have been. It, it still one. was amazing that he ranked as high, and I think that definitely was a a changing point. So yeah, and, and to sort of and to speak to sort of you're saying, Darby, around that time, that was this sort of cultural baseball cultural shift in consciousness about what are we talking about? When we talk about quality players what are we talking about when we talk about players we want to keep I remember that was also the I think that was the year or maybe it was early 2010 that was also around the time when Ryan Howard got mm. that really long contract extension not that long contract extension but a lot of money being paid to him and that of course <laughs> podcast listeners you can't see this but Danny basically just threw up all over his microphone <laughs> at least it looked like he did right that contract extension with Ryan Howard was another one of those where do you stand kind of moments it was sort of a line in the sand drawn between people who were enamored with ryan howard's you know counting stats with the home runs rbis long home stuff. runs long <laughs> home runs this you know this great you know he's got a he's he, we're selling jeans here he's got a great baseball body he can hit balls 500 feet it's incredible but then you also got those other group of people who were saying well players with this kind of body type and play ben zobris 10 years like, baby 10 year deal <laughs> <laughs> Um, with Howard players with this kind of body type and players with these kind of uh, uh, baseball profile sort of uh, age faster than normal than uh, other players do and how long will he be able to keep this sort of thin up and then you know time sort of history makes fools of us all but at the end of the day after you know a couple years Howard ended up retiring before his contract even sort of uh, uh, mm -hmm. ran its course so I mean it's just it, it's this sort of telling thing where Again, not to belabor this point. Yeah, and then Ben Zobrist will get his number retired by the Chicago Cubs. I got it. I got it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we got Longo. We got Zobrist. Let's let's plow forward. Longo might win this whole thing. The only person who might be able to upset him might be Ben Zobrist. We shall see. Number three and number four. I'm jockeying back and forth here, but I think I have number three James Shields. Number four David Price. And I feel like that's controversial on its face if you were not a Rays fan. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that, you know, David Price has a higher peak when we think uh, than James Shields, uh, uh, publicly, outward facingly. He's got the side on. He's a flashier player. He's seemingly more exciting in many ways. Um, you know, now he plays for the Dodgers, <laughs> maybe. Uh, you know, it, it, he's, he's a player. Plays for the Dodgers in quotations. Yeah, plays. I'm, I'm quoting so hard right now. Um, James Shields, though, I, I, you're right. He 
for a longer time, even in some of the old Devil Rays days, was one of those players who was consistently very, very good. And he's been, he was better longer for the Rays than David Price was. It's kind of hard to remember this, but like in 2009, when Price was sort of coming up full time, he wasn't, you know, he was, he was a rookie. He wasn't doing that great. Uh, I think his early, his rookie season in 2009, oops, yeah, in 2009. I agree with you. We have peak James Shields in this glory days era, and we rode the full roller coaster with David Price. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, oh, go ahead. Yeah, so I think for me, yeah, when you talk about peak versus sustained, you know, kind of level, I, I think there's, I think you could really look at either and and kind of prefer either one. David Price has maybe some of his biggest moments during that 2008 season when he just emerges and and really gets some of the the key outs for the Rays to go to the World Series. And you have James Shields putting up, you know, James Shields for me is my favorite Rays player of all time. So so for me, I I do put him ahead of of David in that regard. But David Price is very, very close. And I, I will, I could say that he maybe is the better pitcher overall, but when I think of Ray's sort of pitchers, and if this is this beloved bracket, I put Shields above him just because David Price has had these big moments for other teams. He has worn many other jerseys and he hit, he has a Dodgers jersey that eventually when baseball returns, he gets to actually wear on the field uh, and not just a weird novelty. James Shields has one other jersey that people would remember with the Royals and then a bunch of other jerseys that people would really want to forget. So, so in that regard, uh, he is a Ray. So you have that sort of end of career. His best moments are as a Ray. He, He gets that enshrinement, so to speak. And the other thing that I'll put Shields ahead of price on is that you saw a lot of pitchers and we'll talk about them lower down in this list who came up and they praise what Shields taught them. Right. He taught That's everybody that circle change. Mind well. When we talk about legacy, when we talk about the lasting impression of some of these players, kind of like we also talked about with Rocco in the previous podcast, James Shields far and away uh, was the race clubhouse and also was the teacher who was sharing how to throw his changeup and sharing how to improve as a pitcher and was just as much a coach as anything else. Yeah, do we, do we have Wade Davis' success? Do we have Matt Garza's success? Do we have, you know, Jeremy Hellickson, Andy Sonnenstein? Do, do these guys perform as well as they do? Do, do we if... have Jeremy Hellickson's success? <laughs> we have some moments. <laughs> but do you have that without the the shields change up and that, that and mean. that kind that of guy? That was mean. I had a moment. We're talking peak. We're talking peak. Um, I can't believe I said that. That was so yeah, mean. I'm three, so sorry. Three and four. James Shields, David Price. For me, very. Jeremy, very I want you minor. to know, uh, even though you're not <laughs> listening, you are in the bracket. You are in the top 15 players of the glory days, uh, as I have ranked them right now. I was and now just... turn off because you don't want to know how you far you have to listen before you get to you where you are. I know you love this podcast. Okay, so it sounds like we're all in agreement. Longo, Zobrist, Shields, Price. Those are your one, two, three, four for the Devil Rays era. I'm here for it. 
Top, top right. four. Yeah. Well, then if we agree, we'll be right back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. Wow, guys, that was a great ad. That was the best ad I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) It is my favorite ad. I will cherish it always. It is my ringtone. (laughs) <laughs> Remember when Jubilee used to have ringtones? In the, in the uh, age yes. of quarantine, the like, should I learn how to make ringtones again? Because there was that period where you had to pay for ringtones. And should then, we start yeah. downloading them from Napster? My ringtone mm. is the hit show theme song. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> You're sucking up to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write this song. It's fine. Okay, so plowing forward. Longo Zobra Shields price. We are looking to uh, seed for this tournament, for this bracket, the greatest, the best, and most beloved players of the glory days, 2008 to 2013. This next section, let's kind of run through it. I have in this order, BJ Upton, Carlos Pena, Desmond Jennings next, as the seven seed, Upton five, Pena six, Jennings seven, then Jason Bartlett and Matt Garza. Let's let's carve it out with those five names. Is that the correct order, or am I missing anybody in terms of the next five uh, to be seeded in this part of the tournament? I think the next two are absolutely exactly where they should be. So. B.J. Upton, Bossman Jr., number five, and then Carlos Pena, number six. Um, I think just outside of that top list, uh, I think I think with B.J., he's another one of those guys who you kind of say potentially could be on the Devil Rays bracket because he did come up during the Devil Rays and had a really big year in 2007. But if we really think about B.J. Upton, the – you know, all-time great race player, you think of him in center field in the Columbia blue rather than as the sort of shortstop coming up briefly as a teenager. Um, And then Carlos Pena kind of leading that 2008 sort of surge again, came up, you know, uh, with the team in 2007, you know, picking up, kind of returning to the team. But I think those two are in that, in that order for me. Pena kind of heart and soul, but Bossman Jr. was like one of my favorite Rays to watch. And man, I had a lot of arguments with, with D-Rays oh, Bay God. folks. Oh my God. Defending BJ <laughs> Upton. Maybe I... the most criminally <laughs> underrated Rays player of all time. One of the most is, is gorgeous center fielding defenders, you know, we've seen in years. Unbelievably strong arm. Great, yeah. sweet, like, like left-handed swing from the right side. Uh, Let's go there real quick. So here was my problem. BJ Upton was so good and so fast. Because if you compare the skill set of Kevin Kiermaier, 
the greatest defensive center fielder in the game and in the modern era of statistical dragon defenses, uh, uh, the best outfield defender uh, that we have on record. So you have Kevin Kiermaier and BJ Upton. I would say are comparable. If we had the same level of statistics that we have available to us now in terms of mm-hmm. tracking players uh, that we have around appreciating Kevin Kiermaier, we would appreciate BJ Upton in a whole different light. But visually, this is yeah. the difference between those two. Kevin Kiermaier's skill is a closing skill. He might go in the wrong direction when the ball is hit <laughs> off the bat, but he is going to get there. He is going to catch that ball. He might have to lay out for it. He might injure himself along the way. But that dude is going to track that baseball down. Guarantee it. He will get there. He has closing speed, and he will make it happen. B.J. Upton had this magical ability that when the ball was hit off the bat, he was already heading in the right direction so that by the time the ball was drifting toward him, he wasn't in an all-out sprint. He was just kind of like meandering his way over to catch the ball. This is before the heyday of defensive positioning, before there was a coach on the staff to give you your defensive positioning. He was just such a, a preternatural athlete to understand where the baseball was going to go. He already knew where he needed to be on contact. Visually, you're looking at the TV screen. What the audience comes away with is, look how slow BJ Upton is. Mm-hmm at closing on the ball. It's because he already ran the first few steps and now he's just closing in at a slow speed because he doesn't need to. And he can kind of just, you know, finish it at a very comfortable pace. That's what you should want out of your center fielder. And people used that brilliant skill set, so obvious that they weren't in the stadium seeing him perform. Now I say that as someone who no longer lives in Florida, but if you have the opportunity to see BJ Upton in person, you did not question his athletic prowess on the field. Yeah. Is BJ Upton the most divisive player in Rays history? Uh, I don't know. Hold on. I have Tap Burrell's number right here. <laughs> <laughs> Coincidentally, on not on this side. list anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> who, who's on the other side of Pat Burrell? It's all so, no, 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 Pat Burrell. So What's I would. What's divisive I, about Pat Burrell? Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. You're saying people <laughs> yeah, who both that's true, love that's and true. hate. Excuse me. Yeah. 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 There's been plenty of raised players that people will all hate with good reason. <laughs> all right. I'm going to um, go with Jose Canseco. Yeah, I know. I think I think for BJ, I think in terms of the most most divisive in terms of people dislike BJ Upton, and they really shouldn't have. They were just wrong. Like you can have you can have a wrong opinion, and not liking BJ Upton was a wrong opinion. You could make an argument about why you didn't enjoy Corey Dickerson. Yeah, or you could oh, make yeah. an argument about why I didn't enjoy Will Al- Myers. Alex Colomay. Yeah, yeah. Jay Gordon Rizzi. You, there's a couple like good players. Yeah. Who people have not enjoyed. Um, I've already made my Jeremy Hellickson joke. <laughs> BJ Upton. The argument against him was unfounded. And he was also one of the best, like, he, he was a guy that, like, we're talking some of the best players in the league at the time, and B.J. Upton was that. He was absolutely, I mean, you know, stellar defensive center fielder who also had hit for power, had speed. I mean, like, he is, like, everything you'd want in, yeah. like, that center fielder. And for a, for a peak, he had an unbelievable run. 
there mm-hmm. with the Rays, uh, starting with that 2007 season that just kind of like right right into 2008. Right. And so we a little bit. If you had B.J. Upton's numbers from the Devil Rays days and honestly Carlos Pena as well, mm-hmm. if you bring mm-hmm. their numbers in, they are even more impressive in terms of their ranking in race history. I definitely see the gulf between five and six, BJ and Pena. And we didn't really There's talk about Pena. There's a gulf to you between BJ Upton at five, Carlos Pena at six. No, I think I think Upton and Pena yeah. at five and six are pretty, are close. Okay, I so think Upton is squarely five, Pena is squarely six. And then you get a you get some separation. I yeah. mean, and if we're talking about most beloved Rays, how many Rays have had, uh, I'm going to say it, ladies in the field with poster board cheering on the pants <laughs> all right carlos pena you get very high seating for most yeah. loved race he he we also joked on d rays bay for years he led the league in smile percentage Thanks. you know just that's true uh, carlos carlos pena one of the most likable just sweet human beings um mm-hmm. And, and has gone on to have a really awesome career, uh, you know, off the field with MLB Network. He's, mm-hmm. he's just, he's a delightful guy. And, and man, his, his performance at the Rays was humongous. I mean, like he had a fantastic home run stroke. He, he could draw a walk. And, you know, that return to the Rays, mm-hmm. when he hit that home run at that, <laughs> you know, back at home, returning there, it wasn't his best year, obviously, with the Rays. Yeah. Far from it, but that moment, like, who didn't, you know, who didn't? It love defined his, his season. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Would you, would you, would you believe me if I told you that I was at that game? Look <laughs> you at all these great moments. Every had, single important game. Very famous important games that they, they turn out to be. I wasn't I can't at. Believe a believe you were allowed yeah. to leave the state. The Rays should not. I know. <laughs> they got to keep moving to their own for university. So do we all? <laughs> Is there any real argument between Upton and Pena in terms of like anybody pushing them off of this this five six out of being in the top six? I don't think so. No, I think they're, no, they're pretty okay, steady so, where they are. So I next put Jennings, Bartlett, Garza. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about legacy, which is what we started dabbling in with Pena, why would Garza not be seven? Uh, wow, you kind of took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> the point that I was going to make was that I feel like Garza should be seven. Um, Garza, you know, of course, the only Ray to ever throw a no-hitter, um, had a sort of presence on the mound where he was very much like a bulldog. He was very angry all the time. Lots uh, of spitting. Like, he was the physical embodiment of, like, the Duke Blue Devil. yeah he had a really terrible facial hair uh Mm -hmm. which is someone also who has very terrible facial hair i empathize with um but no i I, matt garza definitely he he's one of those players one of those classic race players who performed very well for the, the time that he was here came over in a uh i guess you could end up saying a lopsided trade (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. was dealt away in what ended up being somewhat of a lopsided trade. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I, I think I, I Jennings, to me, always, he was a frustrating player. 
Um, I don't think there's really any denying that here. He, he always seemed like he was about to take it to another level, but would either get injured or just wouldn't be able to make that switch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's sad. It's one of those, it's one of those it's, bigger it's what rock, if stories. For me, it's the Rocco argument. Rocco mm-hmm. Baldelli, we pushed up the list, I think, from, from seven up to five on the Devil Rays bracket where we yeah. finalized our ranking there because uh, the quality of athlete that he represented despite injuries and in terms of legacy, like we appreciated what Rocco was. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel that that's where initially I put after Upton and Pena, I was like, who is the next best best performer, best athlete in the glory days. And yeah. honestly, Desmond Jennings was phenomenal yeah. when he was on the field and performing at a high level. And I think one of the things that, why I wanted to push Rocco up, which we ended up doing, and why I'm less inclined to do that now for Jennings is because in those Devil Rays days, there was a dearth of talent. Am I using that right? There was not a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's fine. I, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, there wasn't, it, it was much more find the diamonds in the rough where you can find them and then just hope that, you know, Esteban Yan does as well as he can for a while. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. I, I think we, you must find out how to reference Esteban Yan. You'll be in every episode of this series. I'll just work that in every time with Esteban Yan. No, and I think, I think with Jennings, because there was a little more talent surrounding him, his, um, his inability to, to kick it into the next gear became more apparent. I mean, Jennings wasn't a bad player. Uh, Jennings was a very good player. But Jennings was, perhaps unfairly, considered to be like the heir apparent to Carl Crawford. Right. I even remember when he was promoted, Joe Madden said, like in his press conference, this is not the second Carl Crawford. This is the first Desmond Jennings. Yeah. He was a a unique player to himself, but there were also comparisons that could not be ignored. You had uh, a phenomenal athlete who should be defending center that has chosen left field. And objectively, also an African-American player. It Mm -hmm. really felt like the Rays were trying to copy and paste as closely as they could to make as approximate a match as you could. And just like any 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 player who tried to step into third base after Evan Longoria left, any yeah. player who stepped into left field after Carl Crawford was going to have an uphill climb in front of him. And unfortunately, Jennings did stumble along the way. His, his run was really quite good. I mean, he was a three-win player for four seasons, basically. And yeah. so, like, that's – when you talk of, like, people that are disappointing, like, oftentimes with baseball – if a top prospect doesn't kind of succeed, they don't ever get there or they flame out horribly. I mean, the, the, there is a huge list of Baseball America top tens that have a lot of Brandon Woods and not a lot of Desmond Jennings. Desmond Jennings yeah. is a good outcome, but there is that he wasn't Carl Crawford. He was, he was close while he was healthy, but not quite at Carl's level, which is, you know, that's a bar that you really can't put on somebody. And he also just wasn't, uh, it didn't have the length. He didn't have, he had, the, he had the problem of not being Carl Crawford and then also kind of falling into the Rocco Baldelli thing um, right. where you just, the, the, you saw the talent, you saw that it was there. It just didn't ever fully materialize for long enough due to health. 
and it's but this is this is also the glory days i and i think that needs to be appreciated if this were the devil rays and you were considering mm. desmond jennings who he was as an athlete what his performance was uh, on mm. the field if you were to slot that in yes it has to coexist with carl crawford as you're considering the devil rays but yeah oh yeah crawford mcgriff boggs boggs is a legacy vote anyway there's an argument to be made that you would put Jennings next in yeah, terms of quality absolutely. of athlete and, and quality of baseball player. If you ignore all the Boggs history and, and the, the, and you just boil it down to performance, you go Crawford McGriff. I would start to think, okay, do I put Jennings next? If this was limited to, to that level of play, but this is when the Rays were good, when a ton yeah. of players were very good. And he was not carrying the team. Like the, it's, it's, he was never the best here. player on the team. He was never the best player in the lineup. He was never the best player in the outfield. It's that. It's that kind of that tough thing where where yeah, you just he, he's not that guy that really stands. The quality out. was there. Yeah, but he always had Carl Crawford's shadow. Yeah, yeah. and he performed very, 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 very well. Better than most baseball players ever perform. I don't know. So we're still in this bracket considering seven, eight, nine. I would say, I think there's an argument to be made that in terms of the glory days, in terms of lasting impact, that Jason Bartlett and Garza are both ahead of Desmond Jennings. Yeah. I think because, we do need to go there. Because Bartlett yeah. was another one of those guys that came over in the Delman Young trade mm -hmm. uh, that, that really kind of changed the course of, of Ray's yeah. history with, with, Matt, with Matt Garza. And Bartlett was a, a heck of a player, a heck of a shortstop, and was that kind of cornerstone piece that I think, you know, you could say is, e is equally as important to that run as, as Desmond in the later part. You know, Bartlett more for the early part. They did have an overlap. Mm -hmm. But I think Bartlett almost, you know, he has, if I think of moments, I think I think Bartlett has more moments than Jennings. And we're talking yeah. pretty, you know, I, I think they should, they belong close together. But I think you could make, I think I would make the argument that Bartlett probably is ahead of Desmond Jennings. Yeah. Um, just by the time, you know, the all. Bartlett's another that. one of those, uh, it reminds me of the Zobrist argument. He was a god in 2009, though. Mm -hmm. yep. He was good enough in 2008. He was good enough in 2010. But his statistical outlier where he was his high performer, and when you remember the good Bartlett, you're remembering 2009. Yeah. He's the absolute inverse of the Desmond Jennings argument. Whereas mm -hmm. Desmond Jennings was pretty good during a time when the Rays were really good. Jason Bartlett was pretty all right and very good during a time when the Rays were as, about as high as they can get. And in 2009, he had, his, of course, his best year. So it's a shame. It really – I mean <laughs> – it, it, it just reminds me, it just brings me back to just how much of a tragedy the story of Desmond Jennings really can't be. Because for all the reasons we've talked about, he should be considered to be one of the better raised players were he just four, born four years ahead. Or just a little bit healthier. Just a little bit healthier. Okay, uh, so what I, the vibe I'm getting from the room is Matt Garza is next. We've got Longo Zobra Shields Price, Upton Pena, Garza. Mm -hmm. Yep, he has I mean, that moment. You have the no-no, right? 
He has the no-no. He was part of it. You want to talk about attending important games in Rays history? (laughs) Wasn't it that one? The night after. Uh, I had mm-hmm. tickets the night, <laughs> or, or was it Jeez. the night before? I missed Garza's no hitter by one. Day. By one, I just oh, read my awful. own story. But um, okay, so Garza, I think Jennings over Bartlett. So here's my argument for Bartlett. He was when you talk about 2008, you are looking at the history of Ray's shortstops, and it is heinous. <laughs> and then you have Bartlett, who who is really really good who's really, really good and really good. I mean, not great. He's about a two-win player, but really rock-solid shortstop, very good defensively. Uh, During, is he really good defensively because he's a good defensive shortstop or because he's playing in between Longo and Zobers? A little from column A, a little from column B. Um, but I think, I think Bartlett does get that boost of you don't have like – He's not taking over uh, from for Carl Crawford type of thing. He is taking over for you know, just a, mm-hmm. not a, not a big legacy there. BJ Upton kind of failed, and so he went out to the center field, and so now Bartlett's there. And then he also in two thousand nine, like Brett said, he has a year that's better than any single year of Desmond Jennings' career. Mm-hmm. So it's Desmond Jennings has maybe a little bit more length and legacy. Bartlett is not he, you know the one thing that Jennings I will say goes for his his character is that he is a he is a lifetime Ray. He has only taken minor league deals since his last year with the Rays and just the health just never uh, developed. So there's only one real jersey for Desmond Jennings. It's Whereas true. Bartlett, you know, had some pretty good years with the Twins, uh, an okay year with the Padres before eventually retiring. Hmm. I still think that peak, that, that, that single year is better than any single year of Desmond Jennings. But... You know, eight nine, they're they're really close together, and I, I can be I can I can put them either way. At is the end of the day, they're playing each should... other. <laughs> yeah. Is there a yeah. player that should They'll be, be up higher to side. than Jason Bartlett? I don't think so, and we're about to get into him. I don't think so. If I'm looking at this list, I I think Jason Bartlett. I think hmm. there are people. I will say, I think there are people that I might vote for over Jason Bartlett when it comes down to later in like Ooh. a tournament fra- bracket. Ooh. But right now, if I'm ranking them, we're I just think seeding. Deserves... We're just seeding. We're yeah. just, yeah. I, think, I think he deserves that seed. I think that's a pretty measured take. I, I think that's maybe now that you say that, I agree with you. <laughs> now, and I, and this will, you know, this will come down to voting for, for, you know, all the D-Rays Bay community. And so, we'll see how many fans of Bartlett there are and how people, you know, really believe in his legacy. But uh, I think, I think he, I think that nine seed is absolutely, you know, I think he belongs there. Okay. Hey, this pod is going uh, strong and I appreciate it. We got a lot more to go. So uh, that's great, but I am obligated to take another break. So we'll be back after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we're back. You know, I didn't think the ads could get better, but they did. Okay. Who is the next best Devil Ray from the glory day? Devil Ray, excuse me. The Rays (laughs) player. They're always the Devil Rays in my head. I struggle with this to this day. Um, Who is the next best Rays player? We're talking about the glory days, 2008 to 2013. We've talked about Longo Zobra, Shields, Price, Upton, Pena, Garza, Jennings, Bartlett. Who is that next guy? Who is the next most beloved, best player? Don't worry about what I put on our, our draft of the seating for us to discuss. Who is next, boys? Boy. Well, it's a shame because I was sort of going to agree with what you had next up, which will make me sound kind of like I'm I, – I, <laughs> it'll make me sound like I'm not coming up with my own ideas. But if we're talking about players that – have had a sort of lasting impact on this culture of the team and players who I think about a lot. Uh, I think you got to go with Fernando Rodney. Um, Fernando Rodney, one of the (laughs) best single season relief pitching performances in major league baseball history. Yeah. Ever. 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 Coming out of absolutely nowhere. Mm -hmm. Truly absolutely nowhere one of those amazing like classic like those those pickups that seemingly defined the race front office in the glory days taking people out of the out of the trash heap turning them into with the help of jim hickey incredible pitchers and mm-hmm. then you know letting them walk or whatever they end up doing afterwards but just turning them into very very solid and very very good players and fernando rodney it, it had been a while for me not you know, even even in 2008, when the team was doing so well, you know, some seeing Troy Percival come in for some of those games was uh, very anxiety-inducing. <laughs> even though he was a good closer, he didn't always feel like a good closer, and then he ended up not being that good of a closer. Right. Uh, but when Fernando well, Rodney... That's another amazing him, thing. You mentioned closing. I think that's where this uh, he really stands out too, because there's really only three closers in the glory. We're talking 2008 through yeah. 2013. A lot of decent raised baseball, several playoff teams. When we talk about true, true closers, it's Fernando Rodney, mm-hmm. it's Rafael Soriano, mm-hmm. and it's Troy Percival. And other than that, you can make an argument for Kyle Farnsworth, I guess. But in, in that grand scheme, those are the yeah. three, like, true, far and away, these are the closers. They play mm-hmm. the traditional closer role. Uh, they have the, the save. We can look at this historically. They have the saves to back it up. They were the closer on a, uh, a, a playoff-worthy team. Yeah. And when Fernando Rodney came into the game, I, uh, you felt like the game was over. In a good way. For sure. In, a, <laughs> in, in a the best way. way. You felt like yeah, the game, yeah. In the best possible way. The game was over. The game became eight innings long. Uh, Fernando Rodney. It wasn't like when Esteban Yan was closing. <laughs> the famous, I, I, I mean, do you think that anyone's talked about Esteban Yan more than the three of us have? I hope he gets some pings and it's just yeah. like, ooh, hey. Some audio pings. <laughs> Where do you think Esteban Yan is in terms of uh, games finished for the Rays? That's a, I have, I could, could not I even, even begin. Uh, I think he's probably top 20. Top 20, that's... Hold on, let me we, just pull up. 
he I'm only had say, four years, the saves leaderboard. I'm going to say the save leaderboard. I'm going to the save leaderboard right now. Saves. Hold on. Saves. Hold on. That's, yeah, that's different. There was, there was all, they won like 60 <laughs> games during the Devil Rose era. There was probably like, tw- <laughs> like 15 saveable games in that, yeah. that streak. So here, so here's while you're looking, while Danny's looking up Esteban Yan stats, uh, <laughs> I do want to say when I'm looking at this list, I did want to kind of like pick somebody else. But honestly, when I'm when I think about like impact, Fernando Rodney was one of my absolutely like, that year was like almost like a Fernando Rodney year. Mm-hmm. He was so much fun. He brought a ton of fun to the team yeah. because not only was he great. In, in 2012. I mean, he had both Cy Young and MVP votes that year and deserved. He blew two saves on the entire year. I was there for one of them. <laughs> I have bad, I have bad like memories. I was there for one of them in Seattle and it was the night before. It actually kind of soured me. I was like, ah, this is a bad loss. I'm going to do something else with my friends in Seattle. And the next day, King Felix perfectoed the <laughs> Right. So I was like, I was, should I go to the game? Ah, I don't know. That, that, whatever, you know, I'm not going to go. And then, eh, perfecto. Um, But no, Fernando Rodney, he would come in. He had this just fun, because like, it's Fernando Rodney. He was around for a number of years at that point, being a okay, good, but not great reliever and closer. And the Rays pick him up for a song, and suddenly he has turns in a like Francisco Rodriguez, Eric Gagne, Mariano Rivera like absurd outlier closer season. And he he also brought this fun with the fact that he every time he closed the game, he shot an arrow, an invisible arrow into the sky, and mm-hmm. then with Carlos Pena they would they would find where it fell. It's the weirdest thing that any adult human man uh, like just decided to do. Like that's yeah. what he chose to do every time out. And it was delightful. Indoors, buddy. He yeah. was indoors. And you know what? It was it was super fun. Like who was who so- wasn't also firing the arrows? It was everybody. so much, so much. It was like when like two dorky dads got together and they have like this fun handshake that they do. And they don't let anyone else do it. That was the vibe you got from like Rodney and Pena. Just These like, two okay, fine, mid, sure. like early okay. 30s guys deciding to mimic <laughs> firing an arrow into mm-hmm. Tropicana Field's roof and then mm-hmm. pointing it out. But it was delight. He had this season and he had a, he had a pretty solid year the next year. Uh, definitely mm-hmm. not, you know, all time great, but still really good. And Fernando Rodney is still pitching to this day. He just won the World Series with the, the Washington Nationals. And uh, I hope he pitches until he's 60. It's great. He, <laughs> he looks the same. He's still firing invisible arrows. Um, but that, yeah, I mean, I think, and, and when we comes to like impact too, he is that exemplifying the Rays. When we talk about like Ben Zobers exemplifying that position, he is that guy who kind of perfected the, oh, the Rays picked up this random reliever. Oh, they're going to be great. Like, and, and it kind of burned a lot of people in fantasy baseball because they would be like, oh, this guy's there. Nope, nope, not good. But <laughs> Jim Hickey had this power where you picked up some random reliever. Suddenly you thought, oh, this guy's going to be an all-star immediately. And uh, for, for Rodney and for a couple other names on our list, that, that was the case. So, Are you ready I, I for the Tampa like Bay 
Rays franchise history games finished. Let's go. Let's hit it. I'm going to give you the top 10. All right, starting at number 10, Dan Wheeler. Oof. <laughs> Danny Wheeler. Danny Wheels. 72 games about. finished. Games finished. Randy Choate is up there, too? Game, games finished, yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. No, he's not. Uh, number nine, Jesus Colomit. Oh. 75. Uh, the next is a tie between Grant Balfour and Brad Boxberger. Tied for seven wow. 76 games finished. All-star Brad Burks, Boxberger, by the way. Boxberger. Okay, ready? Number six. Is Lance it Esteban Young? Lance oh, Carter. Oh, I'm so excited. Number Lance six Carter. is Lance Carter. All-star, All-star Lance, Lance Carter. Carter. <laughs> 107 games finished <laughs> for the Tampa Bay Rays. Somebody has to pitch the ninth inning. It's not a safe count. It's, it's games finished. <laughs> Number five, Fernando Rodney. So hey. when we're talking about Fernando Rodney, he's in the top five. Number four, my own Danny's Baez. You're right. Wow. 23. He had three more games finished than Rodney. Number three, Alex Colomay. Oh. Colomay 128. in the top ten. Number two, Esteban Young. He is not in, in our bracket history. We will, he was. we will definitely Amazing. look back at the mistake that Esteban Yan is did not get in over Danny Collins, <laughs> I'm sure but you guys will rectify that. We will, we will figure it out in the uh, in the our fourth <laughs> bracket, our catch-all later. But number one in games finished is uh, Roberto Hernandez, and yeah, absolutely. I mean, we should have seen that coming. Should have should have yeah. guessed that one. Yeah. Again, somebody has to finish a game. <laughs> uh, former sorry, former All Star, I should say, Roberto Hernandez. I'm just I'm just throwing these All Star. Uh, Rankings are mostly <laughs> because they out. piss off Adam Sanford. But somebody had to get the All Star. <laughs> 1999 All Star. 1999 Roberto Hernandez. Okay. Anyway. So the next name on the list. So I, I think who's after Rodney? So that's our top. I, 10. I think Rodney should be in the, the top ten. Yeah. In in terms of the glory days of the most impactful of the best of the most beloved Rays players of the best era of Rays oh. baseball. But we do need to round out the seating here. 11, mm-hmm. 12, 13, 14, 15. Uh, we have a bunch of players that we could turn to. We'll have the voting category. Uh, just kind of plowing through names that we could mention. Um, I'm just going to run through this and we'll come back. Alex Cobb, Deanna Navarro, Matt Moore. There's mm-hmm. an argument to be made for his quality. Uh, Jake McGee who was not in the top 10 games finished. Uh, <laughs> Jeremy Hellickson does belong on this list, despite my joke from earlier. Uh, Matt Joyce, who is sneakily one of the uh, biggest uh, stat accumulators during this era, <laughs> if you were to uh, hone in to, through his presence. Jeff Neiman, just a fantastic quality of pitcher, who uh, it did not materialize for him due to his shoulder. Uh, Sean Rodriguez, the return for Scott Casimir, who was a crucial piece of this team and was a, a lasting presence. Wade Davis, who we mentioned earlier. And I'm tempted to give a nod toward Joaquin Benoit. Mm-hmm. Another of um, the Hickey Reclamation Projects. Yeah. Before we oh. get into it, there is one na- name when I think of 2008 who jumps out to me immediately 
as one of the key players on that World Series run. He caught the last out. He had a big red bat. He moved from third base to second base to accommodate the future, to make room for Evan Longoria, which is not something a veteran of his caliber needed to do. Akinori Iwamura mm. is one of the greatest Rays in franchise history, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I am making a disclaimer now that he is in the folk hero category because his run with the Rays is too short, kind of like Jose Canseco, too short of a run for us to say this is a top 10, top 15 player in the glory days because we're looking at 2008 through 2013. And it also gives them a chance also for some of these people that are a little bit more impactful to actually maybe potentially have a little bit higher seating. I think that's for sure. It deserves a higher seating. It doesn't, you know, the bottom of this list seems too unfair for somebody like Aki. Okay. Thank you. That's where I was heading with that as well. Okay. So we talked about the top 10 who rounds out our, our top 15 here. Cause I'm tempted to lean toward Alex Cobb in terms of statistics. I'm surprised at how not as good Alex Cobb looks in the <laughs> baby James Shields. Yeah. Now, yeah, I mean, it, I, yeah, it, it is in doing a little bit of research just now. I, I also am a little surprised at how, I always thought of him as a bulldog. I always thought mm-hmm. of him as someone who would try to go for the complete game. I have very vivid memories of that nine-inning complete game he threw when I think the Rays lost, I want to say, eight to nothing. Is that right? Was it an eight-game? <laughs> it was like a complete game <laughs> loss. I don't remember yeah. exactly what the score was. Yeah, yeah, there's a really – yeah. I believe it was against the Royals. Uh, some, the Royals? Yeah. yeah why not? Yeah. In, in well, Kaufman I, yeah, because he, it's always those Kaufman <laughs> games. Right. Cobb was one of those unheralded guys who um, always, who was like always pretty like ranking right around the middle of those prospect rankings that you'll get. But then kind of when he made the majors became something very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I when really, Josh Fleming becomes a, a successful Tampa Bay Rays starter, we'll be like, Oh, it's another Alex Cobb. Another one of those. Yeah. Um, Joe Ryan, a Joe Ryan. When yeah. those guys are there. Yeah. Right. I, I I think that, that Cobb is a good choice. I'd like to throw into the mix just because I think it fits kind of like it's a nice little pairing of the two. I, I'd like to throw in a little bit of Matt Moore if I can. Sure. Because although Matt Moore never reached the peak of his potential, mm-hmm. he had one of the <laughs> – Matt Moore as a prospect was one of the most heralded prospects in the history of the, of the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. There was talk, concern, legitimate, legitimate discussions about whether and who was the better prospect at the time, Matt Moore or Mike Trout. Correct. Or Bryce Harper. Were act- yeah, he was or in Bryce the Harper. conversation. Right, the, big yeah. three. the three of them. True, smart people smarter than me, people who know so much more about baseball than me were like, I don't know. These three guys are kind of the same. Matt Moore, maybe. Matt Moore, maybe. And so the I, thing that we're talking about cutting him short, let's let's return to what we said about Rocco. Mm-hmm. It was Tommy John. Yeah. That's the end of Matt Moore's greatness in terms of yeah. uh, his, his high caliber performance. Yeah. And he never well, recovered. And it, it's a shame. 
and he had a moment. And so, and I think with Alex Cobb, he never had a moment as much as Matt Moore's Texas start. Oh, for sure. In the postseason. Oh my God. He, I oh mean, Matt God. Moore had a start that basically said, yeah, there's a reason why Bryce Harper was like, eh, not as good. Yeah, we're going to rank them below Matt Moore. And there is a reason why I, I distinctly remember it because it's like this cruel joke now that basically Matt Moore versus Steven Strasburg. Well, Strasburg already had his TJ. So Matt Moore is, you know, the guy you go with. Yeah. Didn't turn out that great. But Matt Moore flashed what was legitimately the best top prospect in all of the game stuff on that moment. And he had some good years. It, it's very fleeting. But when we think about, you know, Desmond Jennings versus, you know, others, maybe not having that signature moment, but enough, enough quality years. Matt Moore didn't have enough quality years, but he had a signature moment. He had a signature moment. And is there anyone that, else on this list that we point to and say, you have a Matt Garza moment, you have a postseason moment, you have something that sets you apart? No, there's nothing else like that. Not no. to the extent that Matt Moore had. I, I, I think there's better players maybe on the list, like players that perform better for the Rays overall. But Matt Moore's Texas start was truly – I mean, that, that was, uh, you know, don't forget, that came a couple days after the Rays win game 162. It maybe was the best week to be a Tampa Bay Rays fan in history, and that includes them coming back and beating the Red Sox in, in uh, 2008. Like, mm-hmm. it, tr- it, was, it, was this, it was this invincible feeling where you felt like that, oh, of course this is going to happen. Why isn't this going to happen? Well, this, let's the be Rays fair are, like, to Alex Cobb, though. Alex Cobb had his postseason moment. We're talking about game one sixty three. Sure, he did. He did. That was that was a that was a great moment in in a postseason win or die you know type of type of feeling. Mm-hmm. But I still I I think we remember other elements of that game maybe more uh, than than Cobb. I think we Cobb is in this in this. Cobb. Yeah, and I and I think we're in this pile. Yeah. Like I think Deonor Navarro I think should be seated in this range. Very, very good player in this time. Doesn't, you know, hard to really have a memory of him. You want to talk about baseball players that were good in video games? Because we've had some conversations <laughs> about the show and OTP. Mm-hmm. My Lord, Diana Navarro was my two-hitter in <laughs> MLB 2K9. Phenomenal athlete oh in gosh. terms of what PlayStation thought was going on. And when it comes to Ray's catchers, it's a pretty – not 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 pretty list. So we're not going to rank very higher. many raise catchers along yeah. the way. This might be the only raise catcher we rank at all here. Um, One person yeah. I think belongs on this list to be seated, mm-hmm. and I I think I probably put him below Matt Moore, Navarro, and Cobb, but I think in that fourteen fifteen range that I th- think belongs on this list is somebody we mentioned. Sean Rodriguez mm. and okay I think Go we on. talked a lot about Ben Zobrist in that utility role I think Sean Rodriguez was a guy who could play legitimate defense at multiple positions he had a, a less heralded role because he was off the bench a lot of times but he was at super sub he was a guy for a, for a number of years with the Rays performing at a level that the Rays always want that type of guy, that Sean Rodriguez type. They are incredibly valuable. And he was this guy who I think just was a, 
a heck of a player during a period of time that you know any any that you needed players like Sean Rodriguez. I think he has a place on this list. And if we also want to talk about those uh, off the sort of off the field uh, intangibles in terms of selling selling shorts and getting those, uh, hey. those fans in the stands. Hey, Sean Rodriguez, the only Tampa Bay Rays player to be stung by a devil ray. All right. Also, also worthy of the list. That makes him a folk hero, I think. Um, I'm tempted to move Sean Rodriguez to folk hero more than I am to put him in the, in the top 15. Because if we're talking about role players who contributed at a high level, I know, speaking of roller coasters, Matt Joyce. Yeah. Before we can slot in. The month of May, May, Matt Joyce. Month of May, Joyce. Before we can sl- slot in a true bench player. I think the the lasting, enduring success of Matt Joyce as an athlete, I would I would seed higher in terms of best, most beloved, most important rays in the Glory Days era. So, so actually, I will I will push you back on you on this one. I I love Matt Joyce, and he has a better peak than 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 Sean Rodriguez, but in limited time. So if we want to get into the you know yeah, no, no, we, get we it, going get rates. It, yeah. Sean Rodriguez was a, a two-win player back-to-back years in 2010, 2011, but with less at-bats than Matt Joyce. So we're talking about a guy, Matt Joyce had had some great, you know, he had a lot of two-win seasons, and that's really good. But give Sean Rodriguez more playing time, you know, it's not his fault that he's on a team I mean, with we... Ben Zobrist, and he's not, you know, he, he's not getting the playing time because can't play third because there's Edwin Longoria, can't play second because there's Ben Zobrist. I think, you know, Sean Rodriguez is a guy that could could have been potentially a starter on this team, but he just so yeah. happened to play that that role. And Matt Joyce in particular, aside from one one kind of big outlier season, was a guy that did perform better as a more of a role player as well. Just he happened to play a little bit more. <laughs> Do you know who the best player is on a on a per rate basis if you were to break down wins above replacement? By game? In terms of just, so. In this era. In this. Most impactful hmm. from, a, from a war perspective, which is so reductive. <laughs> but who had the biggest outweighed impression in the fewest number of games? Greg Zahn. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Do you remember 38-year-old catcher wow. Greg Zahn? Olympic in the Tropicana field and just slugging grand slams. For for honestly, for a hot second, for a hot second, I thought you were going to say Hideki Matsui, just because I have no (laughs) idea what's going on anymore. I was going to be like, maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe I just remember (laughs) all of the horrible at bats that he had. Maybe he was actually a great hitter for the Rays. You missed the hit, Greg Zahn. The 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 one hit. Oh, the famous hit. The one hit. The famous hit. Single Um, hit. Greg Zahn. Danny Ramirez, yeah. maybe. Yeah, so maybe not Greg Zahn on the list. <laughs> <laughs> well, we only needed two, uh, two more seeds that we got to fill. 14, 15, and then the rest will be up to the public to vote. So other options I've thrown out there, Jeff Neiman, mm. Wade Davis, uh, relievers Jake McGee and Joaquin Benoit, and also, let's be honest, Jeremy Hellickson. Who, although while uh, we already promised, we already promised Helix. I do. I do think 
I think of those, of those, I think Hellickson has, he was the rookie of the year. He has more, yeah. he has more impactful than, than sadly Jeff Neiman. Um, and a gold glove. He, he did. Um, <laughs> I think Jake McGee is one of those guys that I think you could almost put an argument here, but he actually had most of his best stuff actually after 2013. He had one good year in this time frame. And then he had two really good years outside of this time frame. Sure. So I, I think by our own standards, he yeah. does not quite belong on this one. Um, but I think you could put him in the, I think putting him in the voting is fine. Yeah. For me, I would say Joyce, Sean Rod, and Hellickson would be the three that are the closest in this regard. Over, over even WD-40 and Wade Davis. Because yeah. he really, he was kind of, he really becomes or, yeah. a more of a household name after when he goes to the Royals. Right. And he becomes their closer and wins a World Series. And, and like so many closers, <laughs> has like, has like a two year like, moment. Yeah. Every, every closer, every reliever, it's like you can't really go to length. It's like, well, they had two years of amazing and that was their career. Right, right. So, that's, players that's that have mentioned, uh, just kind of running down the list, uh, we haven't talked about Willie Ibar. Uh, which some people do feel uh, he is a key contributor. He does come up when I've had conversations about uh, 2008. Uh, but, I mean, he had no bigger impact than Eric Hinsky or, or, or Cliff, Cliff Floyd. Floyd. I, Cliff yeah, Floyd. Cliff yeah. Floyd. I mean, you could slot Cliff Floyd because of his importance, particularly. in. The, I, I almost would like a Cliff Floyd. Yeah. Because um, I don't know about folk hero status, but I do think maybe a – a lower seed kind of respect vote for Uncle Cliffy would make sense because I, I think Cliff Floyd, you know, if we really talk about like almost legitimizing the Rays, you know, and giving that that veteran presence that really, I think, you know, we don't know how much that really did impact like the, the bottom line, but you had a very, very young team and you had a guy who had been around. He had been to, mm -hmm. to the postseason. He had seen some stuff and he was able to, you know, keep people, people calm. Another name I want to throw out there, probably more in the uh, in the um, the folk hero bracket, but is in terms of relievers, one of the more impactful relievers of this time is J.P. Howell. Maybe yeah, the worst de worst delivery of any, yeah. of anybody, just flinging a whole body and all left yeah. and right. But a, but a very Howell will be in the conversation here. He was very very good in two thousand eight. I mean, he yep. was very, very good. Yeah. Uh, not as a closer, but basically doing kind of almost the precursor to what we see with Chris Davinsky and with uh, those two-inning guys. He was not yeah. a loogie. He was a guy that – he wasn't just a lefty specialist. He was a guy that would come in and get like a one-two inning. You know, he pitched almost 90 innings because he was a, mm -hmm. you know, former starter and didn't really work out that way. And, and in terms of beloved, I think he has an impact. Like, I remember J.P. Howell in that bullpen. Mm -hmm. Or. Yeah, I think he also was another great example. If we want to talk about players who are indicative of a sort of race style or a race strategy, that sort of early bullpen by uh, closer by committee role, not the first time a team's ever done that, certainly, but definitely something that the Rays and, I mean, in my mind, Joe Madden uh, really try, really like pushed and was uh, an advocate for. I think J.P. Hell is a great example of, of that sort of, role where you know 
he's not the designated closer, but he is maybe the best pitcher on the team, so we want him in the most impactful spots. You leave Troy Percival to be the guy in the ninth, and you oh. hope you have a lead, and you hope you can hold that lead. But J.P. Howell is the guy that comes in to, to get the jam that's in the seventh against. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Should I, should there I, be a place for Casey Kochman here? Is he or is his magical season more of a? Uh, he's he's folk, baby. He's all, all folk. folk all the way, right? I'm gonna I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell my I'm children stories of Casey Kochman. My children will hear about Casey Kochman as though he was a myth. Tipping his cap to Jeter. Oh, just the most perfunctory tip of the cap. I'm like, eh, okay, take it off. Uh, Grant Balfour. Balfour is the one in that Howell status where you, yeah. you have a guy that I think had impactful moments and was the guy, he was the righty that they called in to actually do, mm-hmm. to, get, to get the important outs. Yeah. So he has, I think, in terms of the guys, he has a better 2008 than, than Howell, but both of those two, those two were the two best relievers, um, both in terms of eye test as well as uh, the metrics. They were the yeah. two best relievers on that team. He has maybe one of my favorite moments in Rays postseason history where he tells Orlando Cabrera to politely take his don't, seat. Don't say it. To, to, <laughs> to, you are out, sir. It is time for you to go back to the dugout, yeah. if you will. Um, maybe not so many, maybe more a little Australian spin on that. But uh, uh-huh. that, that moment was this really kind of, you know, yeah. who didn't get pumped up for that? And and it's sort of like a, a peak. We we do have him in the in the um the folk hero bracket. And I think with with Balfour, it's a shame because so much of his good, so much of what he's known for happened with the Oakland A's, um as a baseball player as a whole. But he never he never was as good any other year than with the Rays in two thousand eight. So I do right. think I do think in terms of if we want to maybe switch him, take him from the 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 fourth bracket, maybe put. J.P. Howell in his place and bring Balfour into this glory day. Because he was, you know, he kind of was Fernando Rodney before Rodney as well as like the first. That's true. You can make an argument that this is where Graham Balfour belongs, even though this wasn't his closer days with the race. And and I will say real quick. He was that relief specialist. And I'll say, I think that, I I think, I I mean, if we want to put him, we'll consider to put him in this bracket, that's fine. But I think that with all these players that we have in the folk bracket, when I think of them, I can think of one or maybe two specific moments. And with Grant Balfour, he was a great, certainly a great reliever for the race for a long time. But when I think of Grant Balfour, I think of him yelling, yelling mm-hmm. during the 2008 White Sox series sure. to, as what Darby said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do the, Take do the seat. Thing. Do it. <laughs> Please remove yourself from the field. Any, any other thing. It is time to change it. Yeah. <laughs> When I think of when I think of Akinori Iwamura, I think more than anything of him catching the ball, running to second base, tagging it himself, and the Rays are going to the World Series. More than anything in the world, that's what I think of with him. Now, for, certainly a great player for the Rays for a good period of time, but definitely when I it, it, there's a moment that I associate with him. So I, I think that because of that, Grant Belfort would be more of a folk hero. But I'm also I'm also a chill, flexible dude. So. <laughs> So for me, if we have two spots left, I would put in the in these two spots, I would probably put Balfour. Mm-hmm. And man, that last spot is tough. I'd probably put yeah. Pelixson just before the accolades. 
um, yeah, at for 15. the rookie of the year vote. Yeah, because he yeah. was also pretty solid prospect status. I, I would probably put him at 15 and, you know, feed him to Ben Zobris. <laughs> yeah. And now I will, I will return once more to Aki. Should Aki be on this list? Not because he would be coming in. No. Yeah, too low. Too low. It, it would that's, not that's, be fair that's to rude to Aki. It's Should too rude. His, Rafael he, Soriano be on this list. Say, uh, I feel like it's weird. I just don't have. He had. I have memories of Soriano, but when I think about this list, when I think about like all-time Rays, it's just such a. I don't know. It's weird. I just. Soriano, I feel like he could, you could put him on this list as like, I feel like Hellboy ha- belongs on this list more than Soriano and Balfour belongs more. I think everybody on this list belongs more. I could make an argument for more than Soriano. All right, then our last exercise and then we'll, uh, we will part ways here, but we need to figure out who will be in the five uh, voting category options, just really briefly. Okay. Uh, let- uh, so, based on our conversation so far, we have J.P. Howell, Cliff Floyd, Matt Joyce, Sean Rodriguez, Jeff Neiman, Wade Davis, Joaquin Benoit, and Jake Mickey. So, I, I think we got to get J.P. Howell in there. J.P. Howell's got to stay. The Iceman Cometh. Um, I, don't, I, don't I don't see how the list would be anything without Matt Joyce. Uh, Matt, month of May, Matt Joyce needs to be on there. The amount of time we spent talking about Sean Rodriguez tells me Sean Rodriguez on this list. Absolutely. Absolutely belongs there. Absolutely. I, I will go to the mat for Sean. Yeah. I think, I think there's an argument to be made that Cliff Floyd had an outweighed importance that uh, in yeah, a short off amount the field. for the glory days. Off the field, I think and Cliff Floyd at least gets this little voting opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I think give it to the fans because I think he did have that impact. Yeah. Yeah. So that leaves us one more slot. Uh, again, those names: Neiman, Davis, Benoit, McGee. I For would. Me? I would lean. I would lean towards McGee. I think here. Um, I, I think that's kind of where where I'm thinking about when I think of, of quality and, and peak for the team. That's just my opinion. If I'm looking at these guys, it, if I'm saying, if I'm just going down to. Of these, I think Joaquin Benoit is the had the best year of any of these mm. players in this time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, however, one year with the Rays being very, very good versus Jake McGee, who you know was a prospect who kind of belongs, or or Wade Davis. There, I I think I would probably go McGee as well, even though he probably has his better moments later i i think mcgee was at a period of time he was this really impactful reliever and it was in that pipeline of the rays always having these impactful relievers so mm-hmm. i think i gotta go of these as much as joaquin benoit it pains me because i think he had you know he yeah. had the best year of these guys left uh single yeah. year in this period i think i gotta go gotta go jake even though he wasn't the closer until 2014 Closers are a construct. Hey. It's all a construct, man. It's all in your mind. I mean, yeah, but Ben Wall was part of the three-headed two, 2010 monster that closed out games. Um, but I think we've already got Balfour on there. I think McGee sort of rounds out the list in a way that uh, 
that also isn't like already represented by Balfour at number 14 on this list. So I think, I think McGee is also, is, is, is my vote. And I think people really enjoyed Jake McGee and I'm curious to see how his voting kind of goes. More so than, than yeah. Benoit uh, or Wade Davis or, or Jeff Neiman. I feel like McGee might have some like, I don't know, I, I'm kind of curious to see how his voting goes. Not Jeff Neiman. I, I think, <laughs> uh, no, I, I wish, man. I thought Jeff Neiman was it. I thought Jeff Neiman was going to be the guy, but he he just got he injured too early. Curse Rice University. Rice University, They're man. Carrying All I want through, is a find yourself an enemy more than Rice University in young pitcher's arms. <laughs> All I wanted was like a six foot eight monster who would throw fastballs and put you to sleep, but the big yeah, night will never really panned out. Sure. Yeah. Is there anyone that we're missing? This is the last call. In terms of this time frame, and and in terms of we the, haven't talked about Yunel Escobar, we haven't talked about Gabe Gross, we haven't talked about James Loney. About. We don't have to talk about James Loney. <laughs> we, we, I think Why we've made we have a choice about- by not talking about. I mean, Loney had some moments. I think I think you have some people that are more in that, maybe on the other bracket, but. Yeah, I, just, I mean, if I you think know. about the 2013 playoffs raise, James Loney's an important piece of that. Yes, but but also, I just it. So it's Jose Lobatone. He's not on. Everyone here. has stopped listening because the that we're now talking about no James. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's fine. All right, yeah. well, boys, this was this was a fun uh, group of players to sort through. I really appreciated it. Um, we will give it to Jake McGee. Woo! Who's spoken? Woo, boop, boop, boop. All right, boys, I next time. Well, well earned. Well earned. We'll go through the modern era, all right? Sounds good. All right. Thanks for Bye, listening. Y'all.